Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's uh, episode number 463 for Tuesday, August 2nd, 2016. Nice to see you. Great to have you here. My name's Robbie Ferguson. Please help me welcome my co-host tonight, Jeff Weston. How's it going? And way over there in the newsroom is Sasha Dermatis. Hey, Sasha. Nice Hello. to see you. Oh, Great to be here. Tonight, we've got an exciting show planned for you. Now, we don't normally look at the job sector, but we've got a technology website that is going to make it, uh, it basically connects us geek guys and gals with employers. So uh, a company that will actually help employers to find geeks for the services that they need. So you want to stick around if you're looking for work or maybe you're looking to uh, hire somebody in that sector. Uh, you want to stick around. We're going to be talking to uh, to Grant Conyers, the executive vice president from Speak with a Geek, coming up in just a couple minutes' time. Mm-hmm. Going to be good. Sasha Dermatis over in the newsroom. Hey, what's coming up? Hello, here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. Hackers have found a social engineering trick to obtain your two-factor authentication code via text message. We'll share the story and comment on what you need to know to keep your account safe. Scientists think that they have found a smart way to constrain carbon dioxide emissions, just turn them to stone. AI has written its first sci-fi short film... Netflix continues to grow its user base in Canada. And Pepper the Robot has got a new job at hospitals in Belgium. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. So nice to have you here on episode 463. It's exciting. We're getting closer to 500. We're getting there. Wow. We're getting there. Season 10 starts this October. Hard to believe. Just a couple months off. That's crazy. So, I can't believe it's been going that long. I know. I know. And there's still so much to do. I've been here every single week since then, Jeff. 20, 2007. That's true. September I had like, 20, what, an eight-year hiatus. Yeah, about that. <laughs> you stopped in on episode four, yeah. and then we didn't see you again until season nine. Yeah. Yeah. But here he is. He's here almost every week. Nice to see you again. Uh, tonight, uh, we... In, we're going to explore this really cool web service because Geek is chic, and uh, there is a company that is uh, based in San Francisco. They are entirely focused on job recruitment for us geeks, right? Tech savvy personnel, if you will. And uh, so I've got uh, Grant Conyers on the line. Please help me welcome him. He's the executive vice president of Speak with a Geek. Grant, it's so nice to have you here. Thanks for joining. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Grant. Just for those of uh, those of the viewers who are not in the know, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Swag SpeakWithAGeek.com? Yeah, yeah, happy to. So Swag has uh, been around for a while. We've actually been in business seventeen years, uh, but uh, our main product is a uh, on-demand app that allows businesses to one-click technical talent. So if you need a developer, designer, cloud architect, whatever it may be allows a business to go in, click, and then we have technicians that are around that area that we've pre-vetted that are then able to engage with the client. And then uh, we also help uh, clients actually place that full-time talent uh, into their technical positions. Very neat. Um, So there there are a lot of job recruitment sites on the web. Uh, What strikes me as unique about Swag is you're, you're specifically gearing uh, the service toward the tech sector, uh, both on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, what, what really, from your perspective, sets Swag apart from the other guys that are out there? Yeah, uh, I think it's a lot of things, actually. Uh, For us, it's really about our user base. Uh, We don't really consider ourselves a recruiting company. We consider ourselves a technology community. So uh, we really are working to interact and engage with that community. So it's about education, uh, actually bringing in additional code challenges and uh, new opportunities to the technology community. Uh, It's also about uh, diversity, which is extremely important to us uh, because we do work with millions of users around the world. Uh, It really allows us to uh, interest in and in, in kind of introduce uh, new talent that companies may not be looking at uh, natively uh, into their pipelines, really considering diversity and inclusion. So are we talking about people that are already in the fields with certain credentials or is this open to anyone that can code PHP or what's, uh, yeah. what's the idea there? 
Great question. So we really consider tech to be pretty general. So you have kind of the standard, I'm an IT person, I am a developer, I'm a designer, etc. But we also get into very niche things. We believe technology is very broad. So a lot of times we're working within maybe a CFO position or finance or accounting or sales okay. engineering, etc., where they might need uh, you know, kind of knowledge of very specific technical systems. Like, like I said, with finance, you know, you look at an accountant and all of the systems they need to understand, how the ERPs work, how everything works. So when we introduce people that have a very complex understanding of those technological systems, uh, we see really an advanced ROI on that uh, for the employers. And then uh, we also see it really helps retention, really keeping those people in place long term. So placing the right people at the right time, really finding uh, what's going to be interesting uh, to our community. Uh, you know, I think it's also about, uh, you know, you've got kind of all these social media out there and yeah. techs, honestly, there are a lot of them are really tired of job-based messaging. Everybody's hitting them up uh, and it's it's kind of a challenge for them. So we kind of intermix in that. We really take out a lot of the garbage. We work with uh, legit companies that have a strong understanding of technology uh, or, uh, you know, maybe they don't understand tech. They're really looking for a partner to come in and really assist them. So from our standpoint, it's really about the outside services around what we do. So it's uh, technical testing of everyone that comes in. A lot of times we'll go into a business, they'll say, hey, I'd really like to understand where my current team is at, how they test compared to new talent. Uh, or it might be a, a situation where they just have candidates coming in and there's really no way for them to vet them or understand uh, what they need. So from our standpoint, uh, being in technology for so long and having the different experts in our company that we do, we're really able to look at it from a very technical standpoint. How did they perform uh, on each of the technologies? You know, we don't just run a blanket test. It's very, very specific to that job. Uh, and then it's on the on the tech side, it's really about, you know, kind of the community as far as how do I identify what I really want? So we look at everything from compensation to where they live, where they might be willing to relocate. Uh, and then it's about the little details. Do I want to look at a, we work at a huge company? Do I want to work at a small company? Is it startup mode? Is it, you know, do they have existing? What's really important? And then, right. uh, so really I, I presume, I presume you've really simplified the process of connecting the employee with the employer. Exactly. It's really easy. So whether they're looking for uh, a contractor, uh, which we actually allow uh, through our on-demand app, they can simply just for free uh, go in there and and connect with somebody instantly that has already been vetted. They know they're great at what they do, see their community reviews. Uh, And then where a lot of our clients really get value of that is a kind of a try before you buy model. Uh, They can bring people in, see how they interact with the team, see if they're able to solve the problems correctly. Uh, and then a lot of times they'll end up extending uh, job offers to those folks. Uh, and then for our technological community, it's just nice to have extra work. Like I said, we don't take margin on those jobs. It's yeah. really just uh, an open community to pre-vet those. And I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, Grant, but what happens in a situation where, uh, as you say, try before you buy with um, the hiring of somebody to work on your tech? Um, and that could be any number of things. What happens in the in that case if I was the one who was in the uh, employee uh, position? Do I get paid for my time, for example? You do, yeah. So what's nice about our contract side is uh, techs just list their, their current rate, which they agree, and say, I will bill you at this rate. Nothing funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, they, as they go out there, then the tech will actually just invoice them directly uh, to the client. We don't try to, oh, okay. you know, it's... it's yeah, it's, so you're not it's like Airbnb us. that wants their hand in everything and you're locked down you know, to, you can't even yeah. connect exactly. with them. For us, it's really, you know, it, it's great to be involved, but we really don't find ourselves involved in that way. A lot of times it's more about the back and forth of communication. Here's what's important with my project. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I need. Uh, you know, And for us, it really is about kind of looking at our community, really finding people that are dedicated. You know, you think about right. Canada's a perfect person. You know, a lot of times it's not the unemployed or someone that is, you know, readily begging at your door that you want to hire. Typically, it's someone that is perfect for the position. They understand every single aspect of it. They've been vetted, tested. You know, you're going to see a lot better ROI on someone in that position. So uh, it's it's kind of, you know, fun to make sure that we're introducing the right people uh, to the right spots. Sure. Grant, what is your background? I mean, you're obviously very knowledgeable when it comes to um, the, the whole, um, the hiring process. And it's interesting that you call it a community versus, uh, versus actually, um, what was the term that I used? 
sorry, uh, <coughs> recruitment yeah. versus recruitment. So, and, and really, we're at this point where, uh, and I would like to speak on it a little bit about how technology, internet, and connectivity have made it so that we have a new way to interact with potential employers. And you're kind of bridging the gap there. Uh, but curious about your background. Where where do you come from, and how did uh, how did you get into this? Yeah, well, it's uh, I'm from a technological background. Uh, I've been a developer and uh, technologist uh, for about 16 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, built many different products and, uh, and companies along the way, but uh, you know, always swag has been my primary focus. Uh, it's really been. Uh, need for us to really start engaging with all the different techs that are out there. And it's cool because you get to see a lot of very interesting things that are happening. You see a lot of very cool trends that are happening. You see what's new. We're constantly on that cutting edge uh, of what's happening. Uh, so it's always kind of kept me engaged. Uh, as far as uh, outside background about that, uh, I've done a lot within the ad tech space. Uh, we own uh, several other companies uh, that have been a huge focus for us, but really swag uh, speak with the geek is our primary focus. It's all about really looking at the technology space, seeing what's coming in, educating. I think I said that earlier, but I'll expand on that. We're actually opening up several brick and mortar code schools uh, that allow us to bring in uh, new folks that may not have had access to technology or the ability to learn that. So we really focus on females. We really focus on minorities, veterans, etc. To really, and, and, and the whole point of it is that really everyone is welcome. We really feel that uh, there's a huge issue right now of there not being enough people technologically to keep up with everything that's happening you said it yourself really? everything's been modernized everything's new yeah. so for us it's really about encouraging that really bringing in uh these folks making sure they're very well trained uh getting them into our clients and it's fun because we're not only just trying to place them with the job it's about you know how do you really look at your career for the long term you know right. do i just want auxiliary income by taking on some contract work or you know is it Oh, and we seem to have lost Grant for just a moment there. We're going to come right back to him. Uh, But we've got to take a really quick break anyway, so uh, timing's perfect. How do you like that? (laughs) We're speaking with Grant Conyers. He's the executive vice president of Speak with a Geek. We're going to be learning all about their service, how you can become recruited uh, by Speak with a Geek. And we're going to be right back after this with more from speakwithageek.com. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category5.tv network by shopping at GearBest. That's right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.tv slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well, of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, Because Cat5.tv slash GearBest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock-bottom prices. Do they have cell phones? You betcha. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets. What about uh, consumer electronics? Those make a great gift. Absolutely. From high-tech watches to action cameras, headphones, even virtual reality headsets. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has you covered. They literally have it all, Jeff. Literally. Really? It's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb. Yeah, I, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of ele- uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes? Yep. Both men and women, fashionable apparel at rock bottom, super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cat5.tv slash gearbest. All right. You kind of got me there. Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff? Uh, Now that the winter has passed, flying season. Do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness. Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, But of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash GearBest. See, that's easy. Tech5.tv slash your best. That's right. Happy shopping. 
Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Weston. And we have him back on the line, Grant Conyers from uh, Speak with a Geek. He's the executive vice president there, speakwithageek.com. Check them out. Uh, if you are looking for tech work or someone to do tech work for you, it's speakwithageek.com. All right. Now, Grant, before the break, you talked about trying to uh, connect more and get more um uh, women, minorities, you talked about military personnel, into the tech sector. How have you found that that has grown in the last little bit or compared to when you started up 17 years ago? Yeah, I really appreciate that question, and it's extremely important to us. Uh, really, it's uh, it's been an exciting time because uh, we don't look at the increase in uh, those actual placements really from a Speak with the Geek standpoint. We really look at it as an industry, and it's very exciting for us to see that more mm-hmm. females and minorities, veterans, like you said, are being accepted into these positions. Uh, and then it's really about encouraging uh, these folks into more management roles. Uh, it's really about these folks feeling very comfortable, including in their environments uh, and uh, giving them the opportunity to succeed that's making the difference. And we've seen a lot of companies really shift focus to that being an important factor. I think everybody realizes, uh, you know, the huge benefits that come from having a diverse technical team. Now, Grant, it makes me think with the connected world that we are in these days. So, you know, you started this thing a long time ago, back before, you know, we had the technology that we have now to to connect with with others. Um, is this if I were to get a job through your service and understanding the whole community aspect and communication back and forth, is it something that I have to be physically available for, or are we so connected now that I say here in Canada can be working for a company down in San Francisco doing great work for them remotely? Is that something that is uh, that's an option to me? Yeah, great question. Uh, so it really depends on uh, the client and what they're looking for. Uh, if uh, if they're really just looking for a remote job, which many of our clients are, it's more just, hey, I need a logo, I need a script developed, I okay, need someone yeah, to come yeah. in, log into a cloud server, whatever it is, uh, remote is totally fine. Uh, you would just log in uh, through a series of uh, different tools that we make available. Uh, it, you know, Obviously, we you know make sure that it's secure and safe, uh, but allowing access usually is pretty quick. Okay, fix this, fix that. Uh, and then uh, the texts really are the ones that are driving that factor. So uh, they say when they're available, when they're not available, uh, they just simply go, uh, you know, set their schedules inside of the app. And then uh, they set if they want to actually, hey, I'm willing to go down to a client location or I'm just purely remote. You know, I, what really makes me excited about that, in all honesty, is if if I'm a really good programmer or a really good graphic designer, but I have a physical disability, now all of a yep. sudden the tech space is open to me for mm-hmm. employment, where 17 years ago it may not have been an option for me to have a job with one of these big tech companies. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I, I don't think that we've reinvented the wheel there. There's been a lot of folks that have allowed kind of remote workers where we really feel it's different uh, is really that we're going through and pre-vetting these folks. Uh, having a real relationship with each tech that we onboard is extremely important to us. Uh, really going through vetting them and then also just making sure that they understand what they're really talking about. Uh, we reject a lot of people from uh, our platform if they're not quite up to par. Uh, and it really allows us to make sure that we're only letting experts in. Our clients have come to the expense that and everything's a lot clearer you know they see the exact rates in advance and it really makes it a clean transaction i'd like to talk about the vetting process but before we do uh sasha has a question security question grant um so how is it that say say i'm working here from canada and i'm working for your company but for somebody in the states how are you sure security wise as far as like if i have access now to corporate information Right. How are you? How are you certain that I am upstanding? Yep. <clears throat> Great question. So, really, from our standpoint, there's no guarantees there. What we're really doing is just connecting you with vetted talent. Remember, you're paying this person directly. They might need to sign your NDA. They might need to sign different paperwork for you. Uh, all these different companies uh, oftentimes will have very you know strict policies as far as what they do. Uh, certainly, our vetting includes you know making sure that these people are legit. They understand how to do the job. We're talking to references. We're looking at their certifications. Uh, in a lot of cases, we're running background checks. Uh, you know. So it's, 
it's a fairly good, you know, certainty that they're legit. But then, uh, you know, obviously the companies are, are doing their due diligence as well. Okay, so the segue there is actually quite ideal. Uh, speaking, you know, going back to the vetting process, how do you pre-qualify uh, the individuals? Uh, say myself, I'm a PHP developer. I do uh, coding across multiple platforms. I'm getting fairly good at Lua and uh, CSS3. I'm, I'm, you know, been doing for year uh, as soon as as long as it came out. I've been coding in CSS3, jQuery, all this kind of stuff. So I come to you and I say, uh, okay, this is, these are my talents. These are the things that I do day in, day out. I'm really good at these things. How do you then say to me, okay, is there an interview process? Am I applying for work through, uh, through your service? How does it all work? Yeah, absolutely. So it really is driven by the community as far as what they're looking for. Uh, some people are just looking for contract on demand work. Uh, they're signing up and going through that the complete vetting process. We want to know before we're allowing you to go down to a client uh, that you're legit. Uh, so that process is a little more lengthy. It takes uh, you know about a week. You do do an interview. You talk to us on the phone. You actually have uh, one of our technical advisors, we have 15 of them, depending on the various technologies. So there's obviously one for, for development, there's one for gaming, there's one for a cloud, etc. Those folks actually are very familiar with the space. They sit down, make sure that everything is cool. And then, like I said, it's about checking your certifications. It's about calling some of your previous employers or clients and, you know, really getting references, really making sure that, that everything is uh, checking out. And then really on the employment side, which is where most of our technologists are at, it's really about, uh, you know, what's important to them. So you talk about vetting. We're on our side. It's our job to really represent the community. We really uh, owe, owe you know, our due diligence to them. So when you talk about vetting, it's really more on the company side. You know, is this company legit? What is their pay structure like? What type of opportunity is out there? There's so many opportunities for techs that you really have to be specific uh, in where you're going. So it, we're really that liaison in between helping the tech, helping the clients to okay. facilitate sides and we speak uh, and we speak about the community grant is the community both those who are looking for employment and those who are looking to recruit employment into their companies it is yeah so uh it, it's really about uh again both sides so you have some people where they're not actively ready to make a move i'm employed i'm really happy but i have very specific skills that would be a really great fit somewhere else uh, so sometimes it's about just making our techs aware of those specific things. They'll come in, they'll say, hey, I only want to know about opportunities that are in these areas, this compensation, right. this type of technology. And then uh, we're only contacting them when those things happen. And it's also about, uh, you know, sometimes you also have a situation where you might want to be able to look for another job, but you don't want to necessarily share who you are. Uh, another aspect of our network that's very, very nice is the ability to keep everything anonymous. Uh, no information is shared with an employer or uh, a candidate uh, before the transaction is accepted. So a client would come in, they would say, hey, here's my job, here's what I need. Uh, we take it and we actually vet that, make sure it's legitimate, and then we present it to our community. So everybody that matches based on comp, location, et cetera, now there's an introduction. Okay, here's this opportunity. Would you like to, to work with this? And they have the opportunity wow. to either refer that out to their friends. A lot of times we, are, we do something really cool there. When everybody does a referral, uh, keep in mind, these are all high-level CTOs and, and, and you know it, it's a good mix, like I said, but uh, they come in, hey, I'm going to refer this over to my friend. They look at it, and when they do that referral, if that person gets a job, we do something where we automatically will take and assign funds to a charity action. So we'll either, you know, let's train a couple of high school girls how to code, or let's train some veterans how to code. Let's uh, take a technology and give somebody some money to, like, make this water system work in another country, et cetera. So it's really fun to kind of create those different opportunities and, and uh, make sure our community is aware and, and different ways that they can help. It's amazing. That's awesome. And it, it's, I mean, kudos to you, Grant, because this sounds like a juggling act from a tech perspective and just to, to manage all of this information in, in such a, a sane way to be able to find work for, for people who are um, able to do it. So looking at my perspective, you know, I work full time and I'm, I'm good at coding and I'm good at video production and things like that. So I could go to your site and do I just sign up and go ahead with that or... Yeah. So you would sign up and you would tell us what skills you're good at. You give us all your information. We jump on the phone with you, talk everything through. And then, like I said, you can either say, hey, I'm just looking for auxiliary income. You would go into the yeah. app, pay them off work, go available. Job comes in, you accept or decline. If you accept, information is shared. You uh, decide, hey, I'm going to go down there or remote, whatever. Uh, you would simply go ahead and complete the task. The apps keep track of you know, how long you've been out there, what's going on, and then helps you kind of build that client, send the invoice, client pays you. And then uh, 
more importantly, also would be on that employment side. You know, what's really important to you? What you're looking for long term? What can we actually help you with? And then same thing on the client side, you know, really uh, kind of uh, making sure that they only match with those exact people. You know, nice. I think what happens a lot in the industry is you have people that don't understand technology and you have a lot of uh, kind of small shops out there in the recruiting space. And there, a lot of times they'll just kind of take resumes, shoot them off to a client. Right, right. There's not a lot of thought and care that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we look at it, it, it again, it's completely different because we're interfacing with people that are not on these public sites. You know, most of our people, in fact, I think the stat is 83% uh, are not available uh, on social media. They don't have a online resume that they're maintaining. They're trusting us uh, to really bring them uh, and provide them their, their opportunities. So, yeah. you know, a lot of times you might think of uh, it as, you know, hey, like your situation where you're a full-time developer, but think about it the opposite way. Think about the stay-at-home mom that is, might be just really great at logo design or, you know, maybe she's getting into she's great at building WordPress sites or whatever it is. Yeah. We can take that person, vet them, and now instantly she's in the community. She's making income, you know, you know, uh, it's it's really about providing everyone with those types of opportunities that we find so exciting. And again, providing that to everyone, you know, not just the techs that are out there that have been doing this every day, but also really encouraging uh, the new youth and uh, new folks to really get involved. If you think about the supply issues that we have, it's huge. Uh, you know, tech's amazing. It's growing every single day, but our supply is not. A lot of these people do not feel included. They don't feel like, hey, I'm going to be able to go in and chew in and get this job. Right. So for us, it's about educating them, right? It's about explaining to them, making sure they understand, they understand the technology and, and really getting into the space at an early age and getting into it, get excited, know that they're able to advance, know that there's a place for them. And then on the client side, uh, it's the same thing, really going in, making sure that they understand how to really bring these people in. We look at it out of very complex state. You know, it's it's about who's in your pipeline, who your managers are. It's about how you interview. It's about really the vibe and uh, the way that you operate your company that really encourages uh, diversity and inclusion. Sorry to stop you. Uh, Jeff, you've got a question. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about connecting all these individuals, whether it's on a full-time basis, part-time basis, whatever. I mean, for us, we're based in Canada. A lo- the vast majority of our viewers are from the U.S., but we also have a large base of viewers from around the world. So from your standpoint as a company, how do you work with individuals from other countries? I mean, there's different credentials. There's different, um, hmm. you know, tax issues. Uh, you know, like, is there – how difficult is that dealing with various countries? Yeah, it has been complex, but uh, we're very good at localization. It's important to us that uh, you know we understand the market. So we we are in the process right now of opening up a lot of additional localized offices. Uh, we open up an office in UK in September, uh, and uh, we've got an office that's going in in Hong Kong, etc. So uh, for us, it's really uh, you know looking at technology. Uh, it's obviously code is the same here as it is there. Technologies are the same. Right. So even if someone's speaking a different language or, you know, again, going back to diversity, it doesn't matter. The people don't matter. It's about the technology, making sure that they're in there, they understand and and go from there. That's cool. What does the future hold for the tech sector as far as employment goes? Oh, nothing but uh, going crazy. I mean, uh, tech runs everything. I mean, you go back a few years and you did not have the issues of needing to drive all of your opportunities, all of your operations with technology. Now it's everything down to the calculator, down to your time (laughs) management system, everything. So uh, it's very uh, important. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, we, we could start reminiscing about how far tech has come. I was watching chats today where we're talking about one megabyte hard drives, and I'm like, I didn't even have a hard drive. I had a cassette tape. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so there, it's there been fun for us to see that. And it's hard to not really talk about it too much because yeah. really we're at a stage now everyone is so aware of the old stuff, but now it's at a point where there's so much new going on. And it, again, back to the community of educating everyone on that. A lot of times companies, you know, they're not aware of everything that's out there. There's new languages, new technologies every single day that can advance their company, give them a competitive edge. Yeah. Uh, and, but you know what, uh, Grant? The, the fact is they may not have people in-house that can utilize those yeah. technologies. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I think that's exactly where uh, you come in. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> now, one type of technology that isn't necessarily um, easy to access would be 3D printing. 
how, how does that factor in if you've got somebody, say, who has 3D capabilities, uh, printing capabilities in another Well, like time? if I have right. 3D printing capabilities and a company is looking to hire, that's not right. just... That's a little different, eh? Because that's not so much employment as product, right? Is, is that something uh, well, that you get into? You could, you could argue either side. I mean, employment is a very important factor because... You know, while contracts are great, you really do see a lift in your team from really bringing people on uh, directly, of course. And that, especially right. if these companies that are very interested in diversity and inclusion, the focus really is on hiring. It's about really making sure that you're bringing in people that are going to stay long t- long term and really be an asset to your team. So the, the contract side is amazing, but it's really more about introductions. It it's allows the companies, sure, they solve a problem, they get in there, they, they solve a problem quick with someone that's available to do it. Uh, but uh, we really love focusing on the, the long-term focus. What are these people really looking for long-term? How can we get the right people in the right places to really advance technology and, and see the landscape grow? Cool. Well, we are speaking with, uh, with Grant Conyers, the executive vice president from Speak With A Geek, and they can be found at speakwithageek.com. Sounds like a great service for both those who are looking to hire geeks, and if you are a geek, which I know you are... then uh, there's a great opportunity for you. Grant, you know what? I love your passion about your company. I love, uh, you know, I love talking with people that are both knowledgeable and passionate about what they do. It's a really exciting service. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking for work, uh, what what we've kind of proven through the discussion is that um, you're looking for, uh, you know, an increase in diversity, an increase in in jobs for women in the tech sector, in in jobs for people with disabilities that can work but maybe can't physically uh, work for example. So these are really exciting things, and, and that's how technology has really revolutionized uh, our way to work. Um, here we are in 2016, and that's how things have changed. Look back 10 years ago, and even five years ago, and how things have changed. Mm-hmm. So Grant, a job well done, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, I really appreciate it, man. It's, it's, uh, it's been a great uh, to be on the show, and you know, I, I really appreciate everyone's time. It's uh, it's really just uh, a pleasure to represent everyone. You know, we really feel that techs are the modern day rock stars, and uh, we ha! really like. Rock- yeah, I am so getting line. that T-shirt. <laughs> Sorry, great line. I love it. Carry on. Sorry, no, you, you just you totally. I, we're, we're tax and geeks and yeah. nerds. Yeah, no, I, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you just think about it. There's so many opportunities. It's it's a, a really a unique position for a lot of the talent that's out there that they can really for be sure. choosy about where they're going. And uh, it's again, you know, there's hitting up these people so many times every day that's very difficult for them to understand what's real. Is someone trying to steal my identity? Am I being, you know, catfished? What's really happening? So knowing that they can count on us to pre-vet those people really only bring them opportunities that make sense. And then on the client side, really only connecting them with that pre-vetted talent, people that have yeah. been uh, checked. And it, it, it's both sides, again, it, it solves a lot of problems from a contracting standpoint. You know, you look at it like Craigslist or something like that or an open site. There isn't any telling really what you're going to get. You have to tell all those people about your company, your technology stack, uh, and all the details. It's, it's very time-consuming. And then on that same note, none of them have been checked already. You're, you're spending a lot of time. So uh, just being able to jump in the app, connect with the contractor real quick, or knowing that you can tell us exactly what you're looking for. We're going to spend the time to make sure that we give you the exact perfect people. At the same time, really uh, kind of promoting our goals of diversity, inclusion, okay. education, uh, and uh, just keeping the community growing. Uh, technology is number one. Awesome. We'll keep up the great work, Grant. Thank you so much for being on the show. We've been speaking with Grant Conver- uh, Conyers from uh, Speak With a Geek. Hey, if you are a geek and you've been looking for your swag, well, you just got to spell it out. It's speakwithageek.com, and uh, you definitely want to check them out. Thanks again, Grant, for being here on the show. Appreciate it, guys. Have a Thanks. great night. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. It's episode number 463. Wow. Wow. All right, we got to get into the news. We do. Sasha Dermatis over there waiting so patiently. Let's throw it over to you. Well, hello. It is Tuesday, August 2nd, 2016, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Hackers have found a social engineering trick to obtain your two-factor authentication code via text message. We'll share the story and comment on what you need to know to keep your account safe. Scientists think that they have found a smart way to constrain carbon dioxide emissions. Just turn them to stone. AI has written its first sci-fi short film. Netflix continues to grow its user base in Canada. 
And Pepper the robot has got a new job in hospitals in Belgium. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yeah, man. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. yeah, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? You need hosting. One of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. It's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost. For just $5 and a bit of change per month, you are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. So your own .com. Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Just don't put Panama papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're gonna find. Five dollars and change per month. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the category 5.tv newsroom. Two-factor authentication is a godsend for securing your accounts. It requires a second level of proof of who you are, typically a code sent to your phone before you can log in. This prevents anyone from gaining unauthorized access to your account, even if they manage to get a hold of your password. However, hackers and hijackers are managing to find a way around it. Back in June, Alex McCaw, co-founder of data API company Clearbit, shared a screenshot of a text attempting to trick its way past two-factor authentication on a Google account. The attacker sends the target a text message, pretending to be the very company that the target has an account with. They say that they've detected suspicious activity to the account, and so they are sending a 2FA code to the target, which they should then text back to them to avoid having their account locked. The victim... Worried that they're being hacked and not wanting to lose access to their data, sends the code back, believing they've thwarted the attempted hack. Oh, my gosh. Horrible. In doing so, they actually give the hacker the one thing they need to break into the account. The hacker enters the victim's password, followed by this ill-gotten 2FA code, and they're in. The attacker can sometimes even spoof their identity, so the text looks like it's coming from Google or Facebook or Apple, rather than an unknown number. To stay safe, use a strong, unique password for every account you have, managing them all with a password manager if necessary, and never text your two-factor authentication codes to anyone even if they appear legitimate. I can say this scares me because I would fall victim to this. Well, you would, would you? Oh, no, I... No, you wouldn't. You'd I, be calling your friend Robbie and saying, would, Robbie, well, is this legit? And I'd be like, no, Sasha, good move calling me because I would protect thank you. Thank you, Robbie. You know. Yeah. I have customers who do that. Customers who call me up just to ask, and they always start with this. I know this sounds like a stupid question, but, you know, it's, al- right. it's always that kind of a thing. I don't mean to trouble you, but I got this email. And and no, you know what? You did the right thing. Absolutely. Because there are malicious users out there that are trying to trick you all the time into providing personal information. And if you're the kind of user who has the same password on a Twitter account and the same password on your online banking and the same password on your email, and then they compromise Twitter... They've got because they've tricked you because what they do, and we did a feature on how to uh, create a f- uh, phishing attack, and the whole purpose of that was to show you how easy it is to trick someone mm-hmm. because I can save a copy of Twitter and upload it to a new website, make it look completely real, and then have you receive an email that looks like it's from Twitter saying, click here to sign in, and it looks legit, so you enter your username and password. Now I've got your username and password. Now I've, if you've got the same one on online banking... Guess what? I've just tricked you into giving me that password. That's how phishing works. But two-factor authentication, you'd think that you're safer. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's the whole idea. That's the reason why I would feel like maybe I might fall victim to it because I trust in two-factor authentication. I trust it. 
Sure. Now I don't trust it. But they still, but see, it's, <laughs> like the, it's like this, the, cus- yeah. it's like, and I use customers as an example because I deal day in and day out with, with customer issues and, but it, it, it spans everyone. It's not just my customers. It's, it, this is the world we live in where they're, you know, I, I, well, I, I don't know how it happened, but I've got this malware running on my computer or I got the pop-up that says, you know, I've got to call this phone number in order to decrypt my files. Well, Somewhere along the line, not always, but usually, I said yes to the wrong question. Yep. I clicked a link the wrong way. Um, how, you know, one customer, for example, had a, a malware get into their system. How did it happen? Rather than going to their bank, uh, to their online banking, so they knew the website, it was royalbank.ca or whatever it was, and instead of putting it into the address bar, they put it into the search. And it gave them a list of all of the results for royalbank.ca. And then they just clicked on one. So it wasn't Royal Bank. It was something else. Because they didn't put the address in the the address bar. If you know the .com, if you know the .ca, put it in the right place. If in doubt, press Control-L, and it will automatically highlight the address bar. But that's the kind of trickery that is out there. Save them to bookmarks. You can do that too, yeah. Like that way you don't but have I think, to go searching for it every time. Yeah, but definitely when you know the address, when you know the address, it doesn't happen when you're. It doesn't bar. happen when you have time and you're thinking about it. It happens when you have no time. You're doing three other things, yeah. and you're trying to also do your banking, or you're mm-hmm. clicking through a whole bunch of pop-ups, trying to get rid of them, and you accidentally pop on one. Well, you know? I, I'd be curious to know what what your stance is. I know that we do have a large uh, portion of our viewers are geeks, and uh, another portion of our viewers are not geeks. They're you know you, this is free tech help. So mm-hmm. you know where do you fall into that spectrum? Do you understand what the address bar is, and do you understand uh, you know what what uh, how a phishing scam works? Because it's important for us to know as well because we're here to help. And so you know, tell us. Um, do you know what a .com is? Do you understand how a domain works or how email works? If I put an email address in a in an address bar, do I understand that I'm actually logging into that website as that user? So the moral of the story, though, is what you're saying is that the prince who's passing away that has the $35 million for me that I sent my bank account information to probably wasn't a good idea? Well, that one didn't exist. Oh. Those I guys? think they're going to send you the, a bank draft, and all you need to do is cash it and send them some of the... That's right. Yes. Well, it, yeah. um, Tonkus. <laughs> Tonkus on, uh, on YouTube commented that there was even a speed camera detector app on mobile devices. Just speaking of you know trickery and phishing right. scams and trying to get you to pay for things that don't actually exist. Uh, it was a speed detector app that used GPS to know when you were going fast. Okay? That's what okay. was happening in the background. But it... it Prompt, it promoted itself as being something that detected speed traps. Right. So your phone would notify oh. you if there was a speed trap, so you'd slow down. But what the app was actually doing, according to Tonkas, is it would actually, they would mail you a speeding ticket. What? So you would get the speeding ticket and you would pay it. And you'd say, oh yeah, my app says I was speeding at that time. No. And there was a speed trap there. What trickery? And so it tricked them into paying you know a what? fake speeding ticket. So it's all this fakery and trickery I, going on. I watched on. a documentary. It was called Some Terms and Conditions May Apply. I believe that's what it's called. And in it, they talked about a GPS company that I won't name because I feel like that's horrible. Sure. But, yeah, we try um, to. But there's a GPS company that had partnered up with the law enforcement in particular cities. Yes. The GPS was tracking the speed of all of the cars and communicating with the police who was who were speeding so the through police, their GPS? Through the GPS. No. Yeah. Wow. So the police That's both even, awesome and creepy. Yeah. So now I I mean I don't speed, but I also now try not to use my GPS. Jeff also doesn't speed. Or text and drive. You don't text and drive good. Well, you missed that sarcasm. You text and drive? <laughs> I know. I said this last week, or not last week, a few weeks ago. Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Did you know that... that Jeff is an idiot, Jeff, basically. you can't do two things at once. 
I can do many things. Right no, now, you, I'm, you can do two things at once, but not text and drive. No, you can't either you, text or drive. If you're texting, you're not driving. And if you're driving, you're not texting. If you're trying to do both, you're doing only one. Then I won't even tell you about the time that I wrote an email eating a Whopper and driving with my knee all at the same time. Yeah, that means you're... N- yeah. Oh, you should arrive alive. You know, you're a good friend. <laughs> Could you just be safe? This was before the texting and driving rule, so it was before I knew it was right. wrong. So as Rev D. Jenk said in the chat room, uh, you, it took a law to tell you that it was stupid. Well... Don't text and drive, folks. I don't know how we digressed into that. I can't even, how did okay, we even get, I get there? Into the next, uh, yeah, we're still in the news. I guess it's I'm SMSs. I'm not even in the next news story, but... Texting just reminded us I of it. cannot even text and talk. I can't... You know how, like, teenagers, I don't even understand how they do it? The youngins these days? They can be, like, the on their phone and listening to me while I'm talking to them well, and kind because, of respond. Right. But I cannot. I couldn't, like play bingo and text or i think they pretend to be listening well uh, and they're not really texting either it's some weird cryptic emoticon slash hybrid letter type thing mm. like ttyl party face brb exactly <laughs> i understood all of that <laughs> okay. all right sash i guess we should probably move on Perhaps all right pseudo all right get what <laughs> the news stories today, there's just one. No. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's all the time we have. Scientists think they have found a smart way to constrain carbon dioxide emissions. Just turn them to stone. The Medusa. Re- I love it. Carbon Medusa. <laughs> carbon Medusa. <laughs> the researchers report an experiment in Iceland where they have pumped CO2 and water underground into volcanic rock. Reactions with the minerals in the deep basalts convert the carbon dioxide to a stable, immobile, chalky solid. Kind of love this. Hmm. Even more encouraging, the team writes in Science Magazine, is the speed at which this process occurs in the order of months. Lead author Jurig Matter from Southampton University in the UK wrote, of of our 220 tons of injected CO2, 95% was converted to limestone in less than two years. He says it oh was my a gosh. huge surprise to all the scientists involved in the project. And even we thought, wow, this is really fast. That Halishti Geothermal Power Station has now moved beyond the experiment reported in Science Magazine and is routinely injecting CO2 into the subsurface in larger quantities. Okay. I love this. Like, a little bit of me is like, what could go wrong? Seems too good to be true. (laughs) Seems really too good to be true. But if it's true and it's good. It must be. They're doing this. This This is is actually This is real life, Sasha. Turning CO2 into something that isn't a harmful gas, right? Like It reminds me of Mount St. Helen, the controversy over, because this is carbon, right? So if it only takes a couple of months to solidify, you know, very far underground, how does carbon dating and everything play into that? The scientist's mind right. in me wants to say, okay, well, what happens here? Because Mount St. Helen, you remember when it erupted in the 80s, um, they carbon dated stuff and it was the 80s and it showed the carbon dating completely wrong. Like it showed like millions of years old. Right. And it right. was, no, it was 1987 or something like that. Right. You know? So what happens if they create carbon stone in the ground and it only takes three months? Does what, that mess with carbon dating? Wouldn't it be fun to throw something in there that just recently happened and then it comes a stone and then say, hey, dig up. And You're right, like, an iPod. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And iPods a million years ago. iPhones and iPod touches from uh, primordial days. I love it. Like on a green side, if this works. From a green's perspective. Yeah, green perspective, that's fantastic. It's amazing because we have really been slacking on our taking care of the earth, which is our home. We're just building Um, a new one. On Mars. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, artificial intelligence has recently been trying its hand at various human creative endeavors, from cooking to art, poetry to board games, but nothing is quite as surreal as a robot writing the script for a science fiction movie until now. It sounds like a science fiction movie all on its own. All by itself. The script and movie were the product of director Oscar Sharp and Ross Goodwin, a New York a New York University AI researcher. 
A so-called recurrent neural network, which named itself Benjamin, was fed the scripts of dozens of science fiction movies, including such classics as Highlander, Endgame, Ghostbusters, Interstellar, and The Fifth Element. From there, it was asked to create a screenplay, including actor directions, using a set of prompts required by the Sci-Fi London Film Festival's 48-hour challenge. The resulting screenplay and pop song were then <laughs> given to Justin Bieber. Okay, that was not expected. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to... I, I hope we get to hear the pop song. Oh, yeah. Um, we're then given to the cast, including Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley, Elizabeth Gray, and Humphrey Kerr to interpret and make into a film. The actors were randomly assigned to the parts and set to it. The result is a weirdly entertaining, strangely moving, dark sci-fi story of love and despair. The sentences make sense in isolation, although the dialogue doesn't really when taken together. But if you were half watching while doing something else, like texting, you would definitely get the feeling that something just happened. Let's take a look. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. That's right. So, uh, what are you doing? I don't want to be honest with you. You don't have to be a doctor. I'm not sure. I don't know what you're talking about. I want to see you too. What do you mean? I'm sure you wouldn't even touch me. I don't know what you're talking about. The principle is completely constructed of the same time. It's all about you to be true. You didn't even watch the movie with the rest of the base. I don't know. I don't care. I know. It's a consequence. Whatever you need to know about the presence of the story, I'm a little bit of a boy on the floor. I don't know. I need you to explain to me what you say. What do you mean? Because I don't know what you're talking about. That? That was all the time. <laughs> oh my. Wow. Oh. <laughs> okay. There you have it. <laughs> there you have it. Okay. How do we go back to the news from that? <laughs> <laughs> Carry on with the story, I so, suppose. Um, to see the entire film, follow the link in the description below. Director Oscar Sharp said, As soon as we had a read-through... Everyone around the table was laughing their heads off with delight. <laughs> I don't know what my you're talking hurts. about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, the robots might be coming, but screenwriters have nothing to fear for the time being. Wow, Benjamin, good job. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. I, that's my all-time favorite. I don't know how long I've been part of the show, like years now. That was my all-time favorite news story of ever. Sasha? I don't understand. You're going to have to explain your words to me. Um, nothing is going to be something at some point. I don't even know. <laughs> nothing is going to be something. On um, the table. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All of these ter- The whole script, I can see it falling into our modern vernacular. This is going to become... I want t-shirts of almost all of those lines. I know, I just, right? <laughs> nobody will get it, and everyone will get it. <laughs> okay, now here, here's a question I have about the script. I mean, I mean, in the news story, you said that they fed a whole bunch of scripts into it. So did it just randomly pull lines from... No, it was presumably... Ar- it's artificial intelligence. So right. Learning the genre, how? learning how sci-fi works, and then writing a script based I on the genre. I think it may have missed few cues. I think AI has a little ways to go, but you know what? I'm still thankful that they chose not to use Microsoft Tay. <laughs> It'd be a racist uh, sci-fi movie that didn't make sense. <laughs> All of a sudden at the end. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, dear. So happy I'm here today. Oh, my okay. good times. Okay, more than 5 million Canadians subscribe to Netflix as of this spring, with more than a million signing up in the last year alone, according to new estimates that suggest the video streaming service's popularity continues to explode among viewers north of the border. An estimated 5.2 million Canadian households subscribe to Netflix as of, as of April, up 
from 4.7 million in December 2015 and 4.1 million in June 2015. According to the Toronto-based Solutions Research Group's quarterly report on the digital life in Canada. That puts Netflix's Canadian revenue at well above half a billion, $620 million, if each subscriber pays the standard $9.99 per month. And many pay more. I know I do. This dwarfs the success of national streaming services Show Me, owned by Rogers Communication Inc., and Crave TV, owned by BCE Inc. and Shaw Communications Inc. The reports estimate Show Me and Crave TV have approximately 740,000 subscribers combined. Still, approximately 11.5 million households subscribe to TV services, whether they stick with cable from companies such as Shaw and Rogers or increasingly popular internet-based TV from telecoms such as Bell or Telus. But even those who keep their TV packages are supplementing them with streaming according to a recent survey that found that almost half of Canadians with TV subscriptions also use Netflix, Show Me, or Crave TV and have in the past year. That makes sense to me. I do it daily. Definitely. You know, what, what I find interesting about this story is that, uh, I, Sasha, I think you said 5.7 million Canadians. Yeah. And there's about 35 million Canadians. So we're talking about 165 to 17% of Canadians are Netflix subscribers. That is a huge market share when it comes to what you're watching. Because I don't even know if like Bell would have 16% of, of Canada or, or, or These days, it's hard to say, yeah. yeah. Because like these I, services, these services like Show Me, for example, kind of seem like a response to Netflix to me. Not, I, they're not innovators, they're followers. I yeah. can't tell you how much. I, I was late to the Netflix game. I just got it in the past year. I love it. Okay. Like, I love Netflix. Kimmy Schmidt? Love, Kimmy Schmidt is funny. I can only watch him when Dave's not home because he does not love Kimmy Schmidt. No? Okay. I love Kimmy Schmidt. Dave needs watching, to loosen up, man. I, I've been, I've been <laughs> watching the hun- I've been watching The 100 lately. Um, have you seen it? What is it called? The hundred. The hundred. What yeah. genre? Okay, it's. Um, I have to ask what genre because we are very specific sci-fi? as far as what. Is it sci-fi? I feel like. It's, yeah, let me explain. It's like a drama though, but. Okay. You okay? So, the world was hit with a ton of radiation, and so in order to save humanity, a bunch of humans went up into this space shuttley thing. Well, your arm is like completely oh, cut off. Sorry, space shuttley thing. Yeah. Up into it's, you know just the the immediate sort of the stratosphere stratosphere yeah okay um and lived there for three generations well now their home is running out of oxygen no way and so they have 100 um prisoners on and they're all good looking with way too good of makeup and hair youths (laughs) that get sent back down to earth to test whether or not earth is now habitable so it turns into like which what was that book um with the with Lord of the Rings, not Lord of the Rings. What's the one with the pig? Piggy. Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. It's sort of kind of Lord of the Flies ish. But I, it's Wally. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Good. Anyway, check it ne- out. We've got Netflix. so many great shows, and Netflix is a big part of that. Right. Netflix and Plex. Those are my things, yes. and it all stems from the Roku. Right. So- when I'm watching TV, I'm watching Netflix. If I need the TV on for noise, I'm watching cable because I don't want to miss anything that I choose to watch on Netflix. Okay. But I'm okay with having like HLN on in the background. Ta- so you're paying a lot of money for noise is what you're saying. Yeah, you could just like listen to those things on YouTube or something. Yep. Here's the thing. I have gotten so used to no commercials mm-hmm. that I-, I put on cable one time at someone's house and it's like I cannot stand this. See, I can't opposite. stand it. I, I find commercials completely fascinating now. And with that, we are going to take a break. I'm so <laughs> kidding. I'm so kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. No, but it's funny because we, uh, my wife and I, we got rid of our cable service. Uh, well, I mean, it was satellite, but still, uh, 2011, I think. So we've been strictly Netflix this whole time. Okay. Um, and, yeah. and other services. I mean, I. We first signed up for Netflix, I think the, it was like the first six months it was available in Canada, back when the service sucked. And, mm. and we got rid of it, 
and then we right. got a we got a please come back to oh, us. I was email. like seven bucks a month. Sure, I'll do that. Whatever. Well, yeah, but there was there was nothing. I mean, when really? we first signed up, it was all shows from the seventies or eighties. I'm yeah, like, there's I guess nothing so. current in, in the movies. Were you know three, what? Four years you know what money. got us through that was there was um, there was uh, oh what was it called sliders? Yeah, we got into sliders. Yep. an old sci-fi, and it was fun. It lost us in the last season, but mm-hmm. for the first few seasons, there was a girl on there that really reminded me of you, Sasha. And so sliders, you, you I need to watch, check out okay. sliders. And if anyone else sees <laughs> the resemblance, funny. you'll have okay. to you'll have to tell me. Yeah. For um, me, with Netflix, um, it's. I, I have the upgraded bundle, so I pay like twelve ninety nine or thirteen ninety nine a month. But I have like whoa, um, he says I was paying like eighty for cable TV, right? I, so, I, but I get like high garbage. definition, like really great HD yeah, yeah. quality. So I sit there in the morning while I'm drinking my coffee at like four thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. right? Watching like the rainforest, thinking like real world isn't as pretty as like TV world because my eyes couldn't focus as well. In the jungle, as I can on this TV, like I just—is that HDR? I, uh, High dynamic range. Some some video is shot in in this format called HDR, which means what you would normally see with your eyes as shadows, they've yeah. brightened those up. Oh, it must be that, but, and so it, it just makes, gives you such a clarity. Ah, uh, I mean, it's not that real world and Earth isn't super beautiful, but watch. <laughs> Watch a waterfall. In God did year. a pretty good job, but, but Netflix. Netflix really blew it into a whole new knocked universe. it out of the yeah, park. Absolutely, way to go, I'm Netflix. I'm just gonna start calling her Neo. <laughs> <laughs> Take the blue pill, Sasha. I'm in. All right. Okay. In June of last year, we talked about Pepper, the humanoid robot program to understand human emotion. Now, a little more than a year later, Pepper has got a new job as a receptionist in two Belgian hospitals. It will be the robot's first foray into the healthcare into healthcare after previous deployments in shopping centers, banks, and train stations. One hospital plans to deploy more robots over the next 10 years. Some experts have questioned the usefulness of social robots such as Pepper. SoftBank, the company behind Pepper and partner French robotics firm Alder Baron, have seen huge success with the creation, with each batch of 1,000 selling out fast in Japan. The hospital-based robots will be significantly more expensive than the $1,850 basic model with a $34,000 price tag. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? It's for healthcare, so let's just charge 30 times more for it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the government's paying for this one. Maybe so. OHIP will get that. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> this will include specially designed software from Belgian firm Zora Bots, as well as access to help desk should issues arise when Pepper is on duty. The four-foot-tall robot can recognize the human voice in 20 languages and can even detect whether it is talking to a man, woman, or child. Mm, That's cool. That is cool. In the CHR Citadel Hospital in Liege, Pepper will remain in the reception area, but at the AZ Damien Hospital in Ostend, it will accompany visitors to the correct department. I love this, but could Pepper act in, like, say, a sci-fi movie written by, like, say, another robot? I don't know. (laughs) See, uh, here... (sighs) Okay. This is neat. And that's about as far as I'll go. Pepper? Yeah. But how many languages can she understand? Yeah. So I'm thinking... It's a she, for sure. Translation service... Uh, okay, so Johnny Cab. Okay, but I mean, there's <laughs> other ways you can get translation services without ruining somebody's job. I don't Here, know. Here's, okay. here's, here's, my it, issue, here's my issue with Pepper. You've got receptionists at a hospital. They're being told, "Sorry, we've replaced you with a robot that's going to escort people around the hospital like a porter, dude, and it's going to understand your emotions." Calm so, down. Calm no. down. Did you see the movie? Did you see the movie? Which one? They're not that smart. I, the okay, AI. I'm a receptionist. The AI is Can just I just not speak smart. to this? I'm a receptionist. I work the front desk at a very busy chiropractic clinic. Super busy. So busy, if I could clone myself, I would sometimes. Really, would really Would you like busy. a pepper? So my boss has said to me on a couple of occasions, do you want me to hire a second 
person at the front desk, somebody that can mm. help you. And I keep saying no because I don't want somebody else to compete when it's slower with the hours that I am having. Would I have a pepper? Yes, I would. I would okay. love to have pepper to help me. Okay. So here's the well you you go ahead, but I'm okay, what is minimum wage in Canada right now in uh, Ontario? Well, right now there's a campaign to to reduce minimum or to increase minimum wage to $15 an hour. Okay, so, so $15 an hour times what do you work? 40 hours? 30 yeah, 40? 40 hours. So 40 hours a week, so say $1600 a week. Uh, if you were minimum, so starting wage, right? Times fifty-two weeks in a year, so that's thirty-one thousand two hundred dollars, approximately the price of a medical pepper. Yeah. So, so tell the boss, hey, we can get a pepper robot to help out. Not, not All with, not with replacing Sasha. Nothing could replace Sasha. But to, for all those mundane, frequently asked questions, you know, fill in the form, follow me to the waiting room, uh, all the stuff that, you know, you're trying to answer phones and you're having to usher people in to their seats. Yeah. That it's could a be, lot. Yeah. I, you know, like, I get that there's, there's definitely a unique opportunity for this. But for me, I look at it and go, this will eventually lead to phasing out the jobs. We see it in all other types of technology that are popping up. And I'm not saying tech's bad. That would be horrible for this show. But something <laughs> like this, there's something at my core that goes... This week we're going to learn how to paint uh, a tiny little bush. I just... I don't Happy know. Happy little bush over here that we're painting on Category something 5. Something about this just kind of makes me go... Uh, you know, I guess I would feel the, the same as you, Jeff, if I wasn't so... I, I didn't feel so secure in the fact that they need at least a human at every spot. Okay. They need at least one sure, human. Sure, absolutely. Because when Pepper is on the fritz, somebody needs to call the help desk. Okay, so we're, but we're talking about a basic version of Pepper. But look how much Pepper's advanced in a year. And look how much technology advances. Give it three more years, maybe Pepper's going to be a Baymax. Your personal health care provider. That'd be all right. And then suddenly you're going to be armor Baymax. on. Baymax you're was be... so sweet. I loved him. My daughter calls him Squishy. Aww. She's like, can we watch a movie with Squishy? I'm like, Baymax? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I don't know. I just, maybe it's because of the, the field of work that I'm in. Like, I negotiate, negotiate employment contracts for people. So I look at this and I go, you're taking away people's jobs. No. Do you remember <sighs> the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Jordy David had... took an officer's job? No. And... <laughs> Data Remember is, that story that Data totally is alive. We've already established. <laughs>